And hello, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. Today is someday. It's still in March. What is it? The 29th. It's Monday, March 29th. We are broadcasting from the Clips channel because, oh, I should say, Carrie's here. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Sorry. That's okay. I'm sharing just, the link. I was just going to start talking to you, but I realized you weren't on the screen next to me, so that wouldn't have worked very well. Um, yeah, we are on our Clips channel because we uh, continue to be in YouTube jail for... Uh, man, we had someone on the show who questioned WHO's narrative about a certain viral phenomenon sweeping the world. And questioning the narrative is wrong think. It's crime think. You're not allowed to do that. So we humbly beg for Susan's forgiveness, and we'll be back on Friday. Do, In the meantime, do we beg for forgiveness? As Carrie would say, that was sarcasm. <laughs> uh, so, but we will be back on Friday on our main channel. Right now, we're just sidestepping her little censorship, uh, her little censorship efforts. So, yeah. Let's see. What do we have? Oh, stuff to announce. Um, the retreat is kind of filling up. If you want a room. Oh, is I think it? we might be out of couples rooms, but I'm not sure. Uh, like we might, I think we're out of couples rooms actually, but I'm not 100% sure. And for individuals, I think we still have a few things left. I have to go through this week and we've probably hit our threshold for that it's going to happen, but I, I don't want to announce that, but I'm pretty sure we've hit that. So uh, we've, it's been, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing all of you guys in August. But if you are interested, at least, you know, go to the website anyway and and see if you can and do something. If you're interested, do it soon. Um, let's see what else. Uh, by the way, that's news to me. That's awesome. I haven't. Yeah, I it just happened. It just happened. We had someone try and book a room and they couldn't. And um, it was because I had to set up when I set up the the yeah. PayPal button, I had to have an inventory. And uh, it stopped selling when we hit the inventory. Oh, so wow. uh, I'm going to go back cool. to see if I put in, like, I might have put in a tiny bit of wiggle room just to make sure so that we didn't oversell. But I'm going to go look. Anyway, I, we'll probably see everyone in August. I think it's at pretty, the retreat. pretty in the bag at this point. And we'll be, a, we'll be uh, figuring out and announcing, you know, the schedules of days, the day's events on Saturday pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, we, we haven't even told people what the events are. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. And we have promised at least uh, Dungeons & Dragons because someone has asked for it. Uh, and I want it. Someone else asked for it. And Beverly, I'm pretty sure, is going to play Dungeons & Dragons all by herself, even if no one else joins. So that will happen at least somewhere in a corner of the street. But I know a lot of people, that's not what they want. They want something. No, else. I don't. Something else. I'll be I doing know. something else. So <laughs> <laughs> we had a book club yesterday. Thank you guys for who showed up. We read um, and discussed The Fourth Turning by William Strauss and Neil Howe. And if you want to watch the discussion, and, and we had some new people who were in it this time as well, um, and some longtime book clubbers. That's on the Clips channel currently as well until we get back into our regular channel. Um, but thank you guys for showing up. The next book that we're reading, we usually alternate between fiction and nonfiction. The next book we're reading is Douglas Adams. What is it? The Hitchhiker's, the Hitchhiker's Guide, Guide to the Galaxy. To the galaxy. Yep. I haven't read it before. I know several of you have read it many times, but I'm excited to finally read this Someone book. Someone tried to describe it 
in a disparaging way as a Monty Python script. And I was like, how is that disparaging? I don't like that's a great description of the book. <laughs> like it's just kind of like reading a Monty Python script. And I was like, that sounds that's awesome. Fun. Great advertisement for the book. <laughs> so <laughs> how fun. Yeah. We we are the So it is kind of like we... that, I guess. Yeah. Um, so what was I, I gonna say? Oh wait, I... wait, one more thing. Library. Uh we do try and put I might be like one or two videos behind, and if I am, I apologize, but we uh because they used to be auto ingested from our old YouTube, so I have to manually do some stuff. But everything goes on library, including the uncensored like version. So like the episode of the Great Reset that YouTube censored, the uncensored version is available. You can go watch it on library. Library is also what you see. You might see people starting to use the word Odyssey, and say people they'll say, "Are you on Odyssey?" Odyssey is a rebranding of the front end of Library. So when I say Library, I mean Odyssey as well. If you want to go watch videos there, we try and make sure they're all there. Like I said, I might be behind by a couple, and if I am, I'll fix that today. But um, they're on Library, and they'll always be on Library. I the Library is very supportive of free speech, um, yeah. and 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 it's blockchain, so they can't really take it down even if they wanted to. So. There you go. So, uh, what's happening in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I felt like I was interrupting you on the way to something, so I just shut up and let you do your thing. But maybe I, no, I well, I have some things I want to talk about with you and see, just get your take on it, especially your take as an atheist. I would like to have your atheist opinion. I just oh, okay. sent you an image. There's a lot going on in the world, so yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> So I have recently, I'm sending you one other image as well. I've recently okay. uh, had the opportunity to spend one day a week. I won't get into specifics, but one day a week, I get to listen to popular music. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> hold on. Is this a self-imposed weird Christian thing you're doing no, now? No, this okay. is a, by virtue of one of the gigs I'm working now. I get to listen oh, to a oh, lot oh, of you get to listen to live music, okay. right? A lot of popular music. No, it's not live. And oh, I okay. uh, have, I'm a person who likes a lot of different music. When people ask like, what kind of music do you like? I sometimes have a hard time answering that question. Cause I like all different kinds of music. I like um, old country, um, you know, a Patsy Cline, um, uh, you know, obviously Johnny Cash. I like, uh, Old blues. I really love Bessie Smith. I love Nina Simone. I like a lot of old twenties and thirties music. I like the big band decade stuff. Uh, Keely um, Smith is one of my favorite singers. Who's underrated from that era. I loved Keely Smith. Oh, I don't yeah. even know that singer. I'll she did a lot around. of stuff with Louis Prima. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that and music's awesome. I agree with all you of this. Things. I love yeah. I, pretty much all decades of music. I like rap, some rap, depending on the rap. I like some metal, um, bluegrass. But I'm starting to think, is this, is this, now that we read the fourth turning, I'm thinking about <clears throat> generations, right? I'm passing now into the middle age, um, you know, period, right? And, and I know this is going to sound like an old person because don't old people always say young people's music today is just not real music, right? But the music that is coming I would out say today, that since I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> the mu the popular music that's being pushed on us today is derivative. 
it sounds like it's produced by an algorithm. Like somebody puts a quarter in a machine and then they drop out a song that's programmed to be a hit. Um, it's a lot of times the, the music itself I think is terrible, but then you add to it the lyrics, which have no meaning, no truth. They're all, of, they're all about hedonism, nihilism, emptiness, using drugs, having meaningless sex. It's just, I just find it really kind of off-putting. I don't know how many, I don't know why so many people listen in it to this stuff and ingest this stuff. And it's being, it's being pushed on us from the top down. So I just sent you this image because I think that there, I think that this is a good illustration of the current culture where we find ourselves in as manifested in the realm of music. So okay. Tom McDonald, who, you know, I love uh, independent rapper, he put out a song a few days ago. Everybody was telling me to watch it. I finally watched it. It's called Church. And whether you like the aesthetics of the music, the kind of music he's doing, or if, or whether you like the video or not, I think I think that you can agree that there's meaning to it. He's This is a song about fighting addiction, fighting your demons. And yes, he, he does make overt references to God and to the Bible and to church as a, as a solution as a possible solution out of that darkness. Um, but it's a song about something meaningful. And if you go to that YouTube video and you look through the comments, there's thousands of comments from people who are thanking him for giving them something they can relate to as they've struggled with addiction or struggled with sobriety. There's people in there posting their sobriety stories. Um, it's, it's very moving. And so this song, Church, is from, again, Tom McDonald, a rapper who is denigrated by the establishment, by the powers that be. He's called all kinds of names. Uh, they try and make him off limits so that you won't check him out. I've actually mentioned him to people who are in the machine who list, get their all their news from the cathedral, and they're like, oh, isn't he a white supremacist? It's like, no, he's not a white supremacist. <laughs> but that's a great way of keeping you from ever listening to him, right? They call him all kinds of names. He, you know, he makes all of his own music. He records his own videos. His girlfriend is also an independent rapper, makes all the videos. He builds his own sets. <laughs> he's a handyman. And he puts this out and he's got this growing fan base who have found him despite all the odds, despite the establishment being turned against him. There's no, there's no puff pieces about him in, from, from legacy media, right? And then on the other hand, there's this other new song that just came out. This is by a popular rapper who's being pushed on us by the establishment. He gets awards. There's lots of puff pieces about him. He's being, we're being told this is empowering. He's empowering. Um, his song, this is Lil Nas X. His song is called, uh, it's, a, it's, it's his name. Is it Moderna? What oh, is wait, it? Put it up. Yeah, put it up. Okay. It's, Mon it's uh, Montero. Montero. Montero is his real name. So, in the song Montero, uh, it's literally a song about nothing, if you look at the lyrics. But more specifically, it's about hedonism. It's about nihilism. It's about narcissism. You know, it's about meaningless sex, meaningless drugs. You know, he talks about cocaine and uh, great and marijuana and all the sexual acts that he's performing for Satan. And in the video, you actually watch him. Uh, drop down from heaven on a pole and then give a really provocative lap dance, sexual dance uh, to Satan. <laughs> and, then, 
And then he goes around behind Satan and takes his horns off and then puts them on his own head and becomes some sort of satanic demon. And this song we're being told is empowering. He's very brave. He's very brave for putting this out. Um, Stunning. Stunning and brave. Yes. He's stunning and, and brave. <laughs> and if you, if you look at these two songs, this graphic for anybody who's just listening and, and not watching, there's a graphic here that it shows a, a still image from Tom McDonald's church. And it says, Church by Tom McDonald, which is a song about asking God for strength to fight addictions. 1.4 million views. This this was from a few days ago. It's it's over two million views now. And then it, and then there's a still image from the the video by Lil Nas X Montero, song about nothing. Literally give Satan a lap dance in the video. 15 million views. And then this is again it's over 20 something million now. But one of these is being pushed on us by the establishment and sold to us as something positive as empowerment. And the other one is being denigrated and we're being told not to watch that kind of music. And there's something wrong with Tom McDonald. And I, and I just thought this is a perfect illustration of the upside down world we're in and how we're being sold death by the powers that be. They want us to buy songs and consume songs, consume poison that glorifies drug addiction that glorifies meaningless sex that uh, glorifies nihilism and meaninglessness. And, th- and we're being told this is the positive stuff to listen to. So I, I know I have some atheist friends who disagree that this is important. Oh, oh, here's the other thing to promote his song. Lil Nas is doing a limited edition of Nike sneakers. I sent you an image about this too. Oh, is that the same guy? Yeah, that's the same guy. And these oh. Nike sneakers, he's calling uh, Satan shoes, and they each contain human blood. So you, they have pentagrams on them, and you're promised that uh, your special edition, limited edition Satan sneaker will con- come with human blood. You can be guaranteed. <laughs> well, so, it's very important um, if you're buying sneakers. I mean, if you're going to buy Satan sneakers. Yeah. You can't skimp on the blood. Let's be honest. Can't skimp on the blood. So, uh, and just to be clear, Nike has said they did not partner with him for this, but he, they did allow him, he bought a bunch of Nike sneakers and he partnered with a company called mischief. And they're the ones putting out this limited edition. Nike promises it's not from the Uyghurs. (laughs) It's not from the Uyghurs. (laughs) You know, that sneaker may have already contained human blood before the mischief employees added their own. Um, but uh, yeah, I just want to get your thoughts as an atheist. Um, what you think about this? Wow. <laughs> the hard-hitting questions. Well, uh, let me play devil's advocate. Uh, no, I'm gonna play, I won't play devil's advocate. <laughs> I will start out by saying um, I, I too don't like the meaninglessness of a lot of modern music. And actually my, my archetype for that has been Katy Perry. Um, yes, <laughs> maybe because I'm a little older or whatever. I don't know, but like Katy Katy Perry, it was is the archetype I think of as like meaningless, stupid lyrics, completely manufactured, um, pop garbage pushed on people. That said, when the bands we were just talking about, Count Basie, uh, Duke Ellington, they were derided as meaningless, frivolous, <laughs> stupid music that the dumb kids danced to. So, Elvis. yeah. Like, just to be clear, those, like, <laughs> big band music doesn't have a lot of profound <laughs> lyrics, let's be honest, right? There's yeah. there's not a lot of profundity in yeah. in that. So, um, 
I don't I don't think that there's anything inherently I don't have a problem with music that's intended to just be fun and frivolous. Frivolous. I I think that's okay sometimes. Um I don't I can't take too much of it. I think personally, I think what separates Katy Perry from some of the big band stuff is not the frivolity, but the kind of boring, uncreative, manufactured. Yes, like I music agree. Bought, designed by committee music, right? I Which agree. Sounds yeah, like crap, right? Uh, so you know, you can be frivolous and enjoyable, or you can be frivolous and Katy Perry, and those are different to me. <laughs> yes, I um, agree. <laughs> so, so then, so that that's just like my music generally now. <clears throat> with respect to this Satanism crap, um, you know, I will say as an atheist, uh, back when the most important thing in the world was fighting Christians, there, there were some atheists who would invoke Satan in a playful manner, not like, not seriously and not like this, but just like would joke about like, Oh, I'm from the church of Satan. Ha ha ha. Like they would just like, make mm-hmm. jokes about it to poke fun at Christianity because they don't believe any of it, right? Right. So it's kind of like, ha-ha, this is your boogeyman. I'm going to mock him. Right. Um, and I also think there's a distinction between that and the kind of people who – Well, so so if you're an atheist like me, you look at religion and say, okay, well, these are, there's a myth here. I don't believe it. There's a there's a, the good figure who I think has some problems but lots of good stuff and the bad figure who I think is mostly bad stuff and, you know, right? Okay, I generally agree with with the archetypes that have been set up, still think it's a myth. Um, and if I really want to take down the religion, I could see myself mocking both sides actually and being like, ha whatever. Fine. That's an atheist position. There's something distinctly different with someone who looks at that and says, I like the bad character and I'm going to actually embrace all of the things that the bad character in this religion has and I'm going to push that and I don't think this is an attempt to uh I don't think this is an attempt to do anything other than well how do I want to say this I don't think people like this uh Lil Nas X is that his name Lil Nas X Yes. I don't think Little Nas X starts out with, I'm a Satanist, I want to promote Satanism. I think he starts out with, I'm a hedonist nihilist, what represents that in culture? Satan. I'm going to use the Satan. Like if we lived in a, if we lived in, in ancient Egypt, this would be a video about Set and he would giving be lap dances to Set and yes. like that would be yes. the thing because <laughs> like, hey, we all need to be uh hedonistic and and actually nihilistic is a better term right so i think it's just a manifestation of the nihilism that you see everywhere in culture and i think um i don't think it's new i think it's been more on the like this really intense beat you over the head with nihilism has been a little bit more on the fringes but it's been there for quite a few decades and it just it's becoming it's kind of like uh kind of like the purity spiral thing the more they do it, the more – or like postmodernism, the more ridiculous their critiques get, the more ridiculous you have to critique in order to be noticed. And so like a little bit of nihilism in the 80s and some yeah. like, ooh, they wore devil 
horns in a video for two seconds while they're ooh like ooh or whatever or kiss looks pretty weird or you know <laughs> whatever that changes like eventually that just becomes banal and blase and everyone gets used to it and so you got to up the ante to prove your nihilism and so he's just upping the ante now he's you know someone is gonna the problem is someone's gonna look at this and be like oh what can i do that's worse than blood yes. and sneakers and worse than yes. black dancing the devil like someone will think of something someone worse, will think I of something that is yeah. that is the um i i, be, I believe that that that's obviously i think that's one of the dangers of nihilism and hedonism is that you have to keep it's a continual it's like augustine writes about in confessions it's this continual search for something for for and i actually think it's because there there is no meaning they're searching for meaning in nothing and in continually trying to be more obscene or to push the envelope further until you get into a really dark place and you still don't arrive you never arrive at that place of ultimate depravity you know you're, you're gonna keep there's going and going there's always worse yeah. yeah yeah no there's always someone who is more sick than you are willing to do more sick things um yeah there's, an, there's I, another video that i saw recently and forgive me i didn't prepare i i just i just remembered it um but I saw this one a few weeks ago and it, it's a po very popular rapper. Maybe somebody in the chat knows it. And in the video, he, he gives birth to a baby in a hospital. The man does. He gives he birth to a baby. Okay. Gives birth to a baby. And then they That's proceed, they proceed to cut the baby up and eat it. They make a cake oh. that looks like the baby. So it's a Podesta party. Yeah. <laughs> and again, what are they selling us with that? It's like, and, and I just bring that up as an example of something I've seen. Outrage. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. they're selling, um, actually, I think what there's <laughs> there, it's the same reason that in those, those movies, they tape people's eyes open and make them watch horrific images to, to torture them. What they're, what they're selling is eradication of boundaries. They're, what they're trying to do is eradicate your morality because they're trying to inure you to horror because they don't they don't want you to have standards it's the way the way to break standards is to the, the way to ignore a population to not care like to numb people to violence you just show them a lot of violence to numb people yeah. to immorality you just show them a lot of immorality and like eventually it's like oh yeah there's another i mean eventually i mean if society keeps going this direction right eventually People will be like, yeah, there's another video where they eat a baby. Like, oh, like, oh, um. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <hobby> thing. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, what, what kind of blood do you have in your sneakers? <laughs> like, yeah, it'll just be a thing. Right. Um, it was like, I've uh, been there, done that. All he did in this video was eat a baby. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, he just ate it. Oh, I've seen that. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, so I. I just as an atheist, I want to point this out because <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's important. Hedonism is is one of the most anti-human uh, perspectives I can think about. Um, what makes you a human is your your <laughs> your rational mind. That's what separates you from animals. I mean, your primary tool of survival is your rational reasoning mind. That's just look around you, right? You don't have claws. You don't have thick skin. You're not super fast. You can't survive in extreme temperatures. You don't fly. Like, 
your tool of survival, the thing that you evolved to survive is your rational mind. It allows you to shape the world around you to build a little lean-to and light a fire and like make the environment around you something that's hospitable. Otherwise you die. Like that's that's what humans are that's that's your primary means of survival. It's your your functioning rational mind. And that mind <laughs> What you do to survive is you you plan long term. You plant the crops now and don't eat all your seed crop so that you don't <laughs> have nothing to plant in the spring. Like you you plan for the winter. All of that is part of human survival. That's part of using your rational mind. And hedonism is the rejection of long term planning. Hedonism is the rejection of the fact that there will be a tomorrow. And that is to reduce yourself to the level of a beast in the jungle who is not planning for tomorrow, who's just sees fruit or sees another beast and goes and eats it or sees another beast of the same kind and goes and has sex with it. Like, that's it. That's what animals do. And animals do it because they don't long-term plan. Um, and yeah. if you, like, the the way to be anti-human, one, one of the most anti-human things you can do is to embrace a philosophy that eschews long-term planning. Because that's what your brain's for. That's your means of survival. Um, and so I think I I think when they one of the reasons they push hedonism is they don't want you long term planning. Because if yeah. you start thinking long term and if you start using your mind and if you actually think in terms of long term planning and and using reason, you will notice that what their plan their plans are destructive for you and if, like yeah. they don't want you to see the results of their plan. You might start asking, hey, long term, I mean, I know Marxism sounds great <laughs> now, but once we're done smashing the Starbucks, then what? They don't want you to think about then what? They don't want yeah. you to think about after that, hey, what happens if we turn this into a Marxist utopia? Because then you'll go, oh, maybe that won't yeah, go. What comes, what comes next? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, what happens after we give power to the to this person to do X, Y, and Z? Oh, then we have a person that has power to do X, Y, and Z. And like, oh, gee, maybe we shouldn't cede power to this this person. Like, they don't want yeah. you thinking long term because they have plans to cheat you and destroy you. And you know, they've they've got to get away with it, and they can't get away with it if you're paying attention. So they need you to not pay attention. Go take your drugs. Go focus on the moment. Go, you know, fire up Tinder and Bumble. Snort as much and stuff as you want and inject as much as you want. Go watch your Netflix and Amazon and stop asking questions about the long term. Stop anyone like Tom McDonald's who's saying, hey, maybe get your shit together and like, you know, plan for the future and and make healthy lifestyle choices and uh, maybe think a little bit long term. Yeah. Maybe, maybe kick those habits that are hedonistic and short-term habits. Don't do that. They don't want you to do that. I am... Um... Well, I wanted to read a super chat from Adam Coleman first, and then mm. I wanted to tell you say something else. Adam Coleman says, I think most of these artists don't come up with their own concepts. Lil Nas X likely agreed to the concept instead of creating it. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, that's why it's true. that's why I just say like it's Katy coming Perry. just like Katy Perry. It's 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 music by committee. It's being pushed on us by the establishment. Yeah, these artists are tools. They're 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 just tools for pushing it. Um, and then Adam also says, also not sure if you saw my super chat Friday, but I'm sending you two copies of my book. Thank you very much. Yeah. Adam's book is out and you guys can, oh, cool. uh, buy it. Wait, what's and it he, called? Um, it's Victor from Victor to 
From Victim to Victor, I think is the title. I need to look it up again. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. I can. And those of you who are in the- Victory. No, that's someone else. Sorry. (laughs) Adam, for those of you who don't know Adam, he's in our um, Unsafe Space book club group on Facebook. Um, And here it is. It's called um, From, From Black Victim to Black Victor. Oh, from black victim to black, black victor, by Adam Coleman. Black victor. All right. Well, I don't see it on Jeff Bezos's site, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, it's probably not on Jeff's site for a very good reason, uh, and probably I shouldn't be looking there anyway. It is there, I think, but oh, it, it, that's okay. I, that's right. My let's. We don't have to watch <clears throat> me fail to do a Google yeah. like the boomer. So, yeah. Uh, so one of the other things I wanted to mention was a lot of the, like the old blues music that I love, they had a lot of open sexual innuendo, mm-hmm. but, but I find that different from the popular music I've been exposed to recently for a couple of reasons. One is because the musicianship, the artistry is there. It's, it's not like this sort of, synthesized algorithm generated you know music that of, of today i mean i just it's not i can't even compare it they're playing actual instruments first of all <laughs> like it's just it's just oh, different artistry that? right they're singing they're not auto-tuned like it's just it, it's completely different experiencing it but the other reason i think it's different is because it's clever the innuendo is clever you know they're talking well, there's about definitely been a dumbing down of the music so even the frivolity is dumber Right. Yes. Yes. But they're saying stuff about, you know, I was looking up some of the lyrics and I can't find the one I was looking for right now. But, you know, there's they're talking about, OK, here's one. You know, he shakes my ashes, greases my griddle, churns my butter, strokes my fiddle. My man is such a handy man. Like that's in your window. That's playful. That's funny. That's frivolous. And it's it it takes a bit. It, it's clever. It's not like the stuff I've been listening to recently that I've been exposed to and have to listen to. Um, the lyrics literally, Carter, I know, I, again, I sound like an old lady because I don't recognize half of these artists that I'm hearing now. And the lyrics are like uh, completely explicit. There's no innuendo. And it's so boring. It's like, put your blank in my blank and then let me do this to your blank. And then I'll do this to that. Your blank. And you do this to my blank. And then blankety blank in the blank blank, you know, just, was so stupid. Right. Isn't that what did what's her name? Have some song like that. I don't know that got up Cardi B. And she have some song like that. that oh, she's about. got one right now called. Yeah. W a P. My blank is so blank. And my blank is yeah. so blank. And you la 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 do this to my blank. Who cares? Be clever. Well, so this is the interesting <laughs> thing about creativity. Um, some constraints make creativity easier, and mm-hmm. the lack of all constraints mm-hmm. make creativity actually quite difficult. Yes. So if you want to write a creative short story, it's easier for someone to give you a prompt and to say, like, here's a constraint. It has to be about an old person living in Brooklyn set in 2024, and, like, we've had contacts with aliens. Go. Like, you could come up with a story, but when it's just a blank page – it's like, I don't know where to start. Uh, anything goes. And yeah, I think creativity goes. is much harder when anything goes. And so w- what you're experiencing, as I think in the past, there were 
if not legal constraints, certainly massive societal constraints about like, we're not playing this on the radio. We're not going to like, you can't, <laughs> we won't press an album that says this. Like you've got to be, if you want to talk about sex, you, you better use a lot of innuendo and <laughs> because we're not, you can't do what Cardi B does. Like we, we won't let you do that. Yeah. So it forces creativity. It forces creativity. And and this this is this goes back to the postmodern art discussion that we've touched on before. Is yes. when you remove all boundaries and anything is considered art, you're less creative. Because then you can just splatter paint on a canvas and like, look at my masterpiece, or tear the stuffing out of a stuffed animal and put it on a pedestal and say, Look at my art. That's crap. Jackson Pollock literally <laughs> has like Bits of sandwiches and cigarette ash from his squatting over paintings, slurping paints around. Like, what a useless person. It's such right? crap. And it's he's revered. Crap. He's revered. Yeah. I don't have any, and I know we've gotten pushback on this before, but I'm sorry. I just don't have any respect for it. I used to be one of those people who go to the art museum and look at the postmodern stuff like, I guess I'm just not smart enough to get it. But no, it's what like <laughs> No, the so, emperor doesn't have clothes, Carrie. The emperor does not have clothes. And it's it's a lot like the um the veneer of intellectualism that they try to slap on racist ideologies like social justice. And so that when a normie comes into contact with it, they're like, Oh, I guess I just don't get it yet. You know, it's like, no, you get it. It's racist. It's it's racist racism. Right. They're just selling it with this pseudo intellectual jargon. But yeah, uh, anyway, I'm going to be, this is a good plug. If you're in the tech, the Austin area, April 15th, I'm going to be on uh, leading a discussion with my preacher at, uh, in Georgetown, Texas. And we're, for, well, it's a film screening. We're going to be doing a film series and we're watching the documentary, why beauty matters. And then we'll be doing a discussion afterwards. It's free to come. So if you want info, um, check out the church on the square in Georgetown, Texas online. Anyway. But, but we talk about, you're gonna, we're going to be talking about gonna all these things. You're going to get yourself <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm moving, so. <laughs> I'm just, hey, I mean, we're a small channel, but, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. And, and by the way, I'm not, I actually think it's fine to have, uh, if you want to have looser standards for things, that's, that's fine. Maybe you, but you've got to give yourself some boundaries as a creator. Um, otherwise it, it, it gets like, it's that postmodern, just how ridiculous can I be? Yeah. Uh, and that's not, that's not interesting to anyone. Like it's not, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's not interesting to just be like, I thought of the most ridiculous thing. Like, uh, okay. Like that's yeah. not do something clever. Like, Hey, I set up these constraints for myself. And here's how I weaved in and out of them to tell my story. Like, okay, that can be interesting. But like, yeah, I it's Jackson Pollock is the analogy that I use just for everything. Cause it's just like, you're throwing notes on a page. Basically <laughs> you're like, yeah. just throw in some paint. I was, it's like, Bleh. like, eh. yeah. you know, and, and nowadays it's like, I, I swear there's probably just random music generation functions yeah. in Ableton. I don't know. I haven't played with Ableton, oh. but like in some of the software, it's like, you know, random. Do, 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 do. Here's some things that you know. Just they. I mean, they do it with color. They know what complementary colors are. They like. There's some science to music. Probably just produce some crap and like, 
look up okay, music. Okay, you sing these banal lyrics and we'll auto-tune them to fit in with this crap. And yes, yeah, done. there are, look up, this is, this is very interesting reading if you guys are interested in this stuff. Look up music composition and algorithms and you'll find a lot of interesting articles oh. about the algorithms that that sh- that predict how to make a, a pop a hit pop song. Oh, I was just <laughs> guessing that that existed, yeah. but it does is what you're if telling it does, me. It does. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. So That's there you why go. it all sounds the same. It's just derivative. Right. You know. And it's better for them if if you have a population of people who don't think independently and all have the same ideas and ideology because then you can make um, one piece of music that appeals to a wider audience. If you have an actually intellectually diverse group of people, then some people aren't going to like the thing you did and you're going to have to, someone's going to do something else. It's it's more efficient. If we all just love Katy Perry, it's more efficient for them. Like they do one artist, we all worship that artist, the end. It's much less efficient if they have to, you know, there's a bunch of little Tom McDonald's out there. No one wants that. Yeah. I mean, no one in quotes. <sighs> I think we should do. I think we should do a parody of popular music where we just take one of these songs and repl- <laughs> and just do what replace all the words with blank. <laughs> I feel, like, blank, I feel like popular blank. music is a parody of itself. You're blank and do this to my blank. <laughs> <laughs> when I listened, I listened to that. Was it what WAP? What is it called? The, like yeah. whatever that saw that Cardi B. Well, I, I actually didn't listen to. I read the lyrics online. I read the lyrics and I was thinking to myself, so terrible. I couldn't write a parody of <laughs> this genre better than she just wrote a parody she of just wrote it. Yeah. It's like this you, like it's like uh we were talking about jumping the shark yesterday. It's like there's no there's no jumping the shark cuz no matter what they do. Yeah. Like no matter how outrageous you think it would be like Someone will do it, and the rest of them will go. Yeah, that makes sense. Great. That's that so sense. empowering. Oh, it's so empowering. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't she perform that in a in a at the uh, one of those recent elite establishment award shows recently? Probably. They they, they performed I mean, that song live. It's like, ooh, empowerment. Thirteen year old girls listen to wow. I was gonna say you know? she's probably gonna be on the Disney Channel doing infomercials. <laughs> right. <laughs> if only we had more ooh. women like Cardi B. <laughs> Ah, the upside down but Tom world. McDonald's the problem, everyone. He's the, pro- Tom he's the problem. Tom McDonald is the problem. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Thank you for indulging me with this. I just yeah, sure. I've been thinking um, about this a lot recently because of the listening to all this music and and the other thing that that strikes me is that the people who who love this kind of stuff, uh, they seem to like it. I'm trying to figure out what they like about it. I think that they like it from this childish, this this childish uh, desire to like it just because they they think it's going to be offensive to others. Because they haven't grown up. This is like people who love authoritarianism haven't grown up because they they view their parents as authority figures and they become adults looking for an authority figure. And so what happens is like they end up when they can do little naughty things that are like, ooh, taboo, like taboo suddenly becomes very exciting. Like, ooh, look, I can do something offensive to the authority figure. But like the authority figure is really not offended. It just feels offensive to like your imaginary authority figure. You're you're rebelling because you're still a teenager. But here's what's crazy. It's not offensive to the establishment. The establishment is churning this out. You guys are part of- But they have a fantasy of what the establishment is. And it's it's like Newt Gingrich 
who actually isn't in the establishment anymore, but that's their fantasy of the establishment. It's amazing, though, but it's just like the the quote-unquote so-called resistance against Trump. You guys are not the resistance. (laughs) You're the status quo. This garbage WAP is – that's the establishment garbage. It's it's like if you want to – you know what's offensive? Tom McDonald singing about sobriety. And, and getting sober like that's that's what's offensive you want to be a rebel and you're you think by you think you can be a rebel by, by listening to the latest manufacturer establishment sold award-winning award-winning garbage of, of, of put your blank in my blank right <laughs> yeah. so dumb. it's so dumb okay yeah. no, I, you know what I, old I, person I, ran I, over on- <laughs> no, no, since, okay. since we're on this topic, uh, we might as well just sh- shove all of the uncomfortable stuff to talk about in one show, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, when it comes to sex and hedonism, there's actually there, I've actually seen two different types of uh, psychological approaches. I mean, I'm just broadly categorizing, and I think actually one of them is more healthy, and you can you can actually pull that person in a better direction than the other one, and one. One is people who view sex as um, good, like a good, wholesome thing, um, but and just are like indulging in it. And you, to them, you just have to like have conversations about the value of being somewhat selective and like the, the greater values of like, I understand you want goodness and, and pleasure and that's nice. Let's talk about happiness versus pleasure. Let's talk about, like that. That's a, that's an approach that people come to. But there's a separate approach which I think is more disturbing to me, which is uh, they think it's evil and dirty, and they want to revel in evil and dirtiness. Yeah. And and that there that's a distinct. There's a distinct difference there. And when I see that picture of whatever that guy's name was, well, Naz X. Yeah. Sex, right when I see that picture of him lap dancing Satan what I don't see I don't I don't look at that and ha- and see someone who's like oh I like this I think this is good right. and I want to promote it what I see is I know this is evil and I want to wallow in the yeah. filth of it and that is a much more damaged psychology to me yeah it's like a uh, eating feces, you know. I it's like it's like animals wanna, who I can't. It's like animals who eat the. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's that gross. It's that it's that kind of. I need to go brush my teeth now for saying that. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> no, it's it's like that kind of a yeah, animalistic yeah. You know, I was just thinking of that because my. Uh, my housemate's dog has got this problem with trying to break where, and you can buy these things that help these uh, supplements, vitamins that make it unappealing to them. But that's like an animal. I mean, like, I don't know. It's my, gonna eat my own poop. <laughs> like, it is. I mean, it. there, it is something about reveling in, in something that they, and that is like a, that is like a fetish for people. Like, like they'll fetishize stuff that they think is bad and they revel in the badness of it, um, which is different than, people who as much as i mocked the hippies from the 60s yesterday it's different from the free love approach which is like 
I think it's great and we should all do it. Like, okay, it is you different. should put down yes. the pot and we should have a conversation, but at least you're coming at this from a positive perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tax Sarah says for a Friday Kefefe break, do pop music and Mad Libs. It would be hilarious. <laughs> we sh- Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It would probably be pretty good. <laughs> I just people. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who's like a little bit disturbed that you went that direction. On, oh, sorry, (laughs) but that's what it is. (laughs) That's what it is. Or taking poison. How about that? It's like taking poison, but yeah, (laughs) can't take it back, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about something else. Can we just change? Let's just change the topic. Uh, palate, cl- palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. What's <laughs> happening in the world today? There was a ship in Suez Canal, which is gone. Uh, I don't care about that, but, you know, that's news. Uh, Derek Chauvin trial is starting. That's, that's news. NPR had some spokesperson for uh, the family of George Floyd on screaming today about how <laughs> if George Floyd were a white guy, uh, we wouldn't be saying this is a difficult trial. Uh, apparently, someone said this will be a difficult trial. And he was like, if George Floyd was a white guy, this wouldn't be a difficult trial. And I thought, if, he's correct, because we wouldn't be talking about it. It wouldn't be in at the all. if George Floyd was if, a white guy. If George That's Floyd right. were a white guy, his name would be Tony Tempa, and nobody <laughs> right. would know it. And nobody would know it. <laughs> right. No one would know and it. Why Why don't you know the name Tony Tempa? Good point. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm tired of this. Uh, I'm tired of this race narrative that's been going on. Yeah. And it's they did it with the Boulder shooting too. So we, there was the Atlanta shooting, right? Which, as we talked about extensively, uh, wasn't about Asians, but they made it about Asians. Yeah. And they made it about a white guy killing Asians, and they made it all about anti-Asian violence, and that's all they could talk about. Well, this Boulder shooting, it was white people. Who were killed? I I don't I don't know if all was, of them, but it was all, all white people. Saw. It was and all it white was people. a Syrian immigrant who killed them. <laughs> and hey, not talking about that one at all. Hmm? Hey, that motive is complex, and we may never find out the true motive of that. Yeah. You know, Carrie, you have to give the police time to do their investigation and not jump yeah. to conclusions. We don't really know, and it would be in it would be you know uh, irresponsible of NPR or CNN to make any jumped to any conclusions about that shooter's motive and and we wouldn't really want to say anything no. about that. Hey, but the other guy, we're damn sure whatever he said his motive was, was completely wrong. Not only that, but they've tried to recast him, even though uh, he's an Arab, he's from Syria. They, yeah. they are calling him white. Did you see this? Yes, I have seen them call him white, which I don't really, I wouldn't care. If we weren't talking about race so much, but since yeah. since we're apparently having a war against white people, uh, <laughs> let's not call them white. How's that? Several of them, several of peop- the many people in this woke cult, including journalists at some highly respected establishment establishment media outlets, um, professors, members of government, many of them before they had any of the facts tweeted out, you know, here's another white guy who just did a mass shooting in Colorado. Look at this white guy. It's the same thing every time. It's a white guy, white supremacy. And then when it came out that he's Arabic and 
from Syria, they doubled down. <laughs> I mean, Syria, Syria it's, down. it's like the exact country that a lot of this talk about immigration has been about, like Syrian immigrants and the Syrian crisis, like the exact thing, zip their lips about it. By the yeah. way, Biden just, we just attacked Syria. And is anybody talking about that? We yeah, just we don't care about that, Kerry. Biden, but because Biden's but in charge, could that possibly <laughs> be something to talk about? No. If yeah, right. <laughs> if if they treated it like they treated the Atlanta shooting, they would have said the the mayor of Seattle within two hours would have been like, "This is retaliation for the Syrian bombing. That's what this is." It, and like that's what they would have said, uh, and, and they would have talked about it, but. And instead, now they're now we've got to defend our gun rights again. I don't know if you saw the uh, the Ninth Circuit, which, by the way, don't get people don't get too excited about the Ninth Circuit because it's ours. It's the California West Coast. It's a bunch of loony bin crazy people. They get overturned all the time. But <laughs> the Ninth Circuit literally, I, they basically said the Second Amendment. Oh yeah, there's a Second Amendment, but it doesn't mean you have the right to keep or bear arms. I mean, literally. <laughs> They're like, well, you don't have a right to actually have them or bear what? them. Oh, what? Is this what, <laughs> right. is yeah. this what you meant about uh, they don't need the Constitution because they have the dictionary? Keep and bear. I, I get, well, I mean, I mean that generally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> what does keep and bear mean? It doesn't mean that you actually keep them in your house. <laughs> they were referring <laughs> to them. grizzlies. You have a right to a bear's arms. <laughs> yeah. <That's> so silly. <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> they just So I know everyone's going like crazy about it and I think you know we should protest and push back but it is the Ninth Circuit they say this kind of crap constantly. Um and there's no I Man I mean, this is why I don't. This is why I don't care about politics as much. If you've got a culture that's really bad, it doesn't matter what you've written down on pieces of paper. It doesn't matter. Like it yeah. really, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't. It's just like, meh. Yeah. Oh. I had um, I had an opportunity um recently to hear from a friend who said that that um a friend of theirs had had asked about me. I guess they saw one of my interviews, maybe the trigonometry one, or maybe they saw the podcast, I don't know. But they asked about me and they said, um, what does she think about the election? By the way, first of all, they said that I am crazy and uh, that I, I went from, I seem to have gone from one extreme to another, which is not true, um, anyone, who knows me or who watches the show. And if you're living in reality, being a liberal, being a classical liberal, being someone, being a libertarian, being a centrist, even being a conservative, oh my goodness, is not extreme. You've been told that it's extreme because the Overton window has shifted to such a degree towards the extremity on the left that anything that that anything using the word the, Overton window makes you alt-right crazy extreme person. Right, that makes you extreme person. <laughs> that anything has now, they, they call Dave Rubin alt-right. They call Dave Rubin far-right. Mother Jones called him far-right. That's insane. He's he's a classical liberal. Um, 
it's not an extreme to push back against the extremity of social justice. There are some extremists who push back against it. There are actual alt-right uh, white supremacists, you know, the, that those kind of people who push back against it. I don't see very many of them in popular culture. I rarely stumble across anything, those people. I think they're a small minority. Um, but but it is not extreme to be a liberal or to be a centrist or to be a libertarian no. or to be a conservative. It's not. Um, and well, so anyone all, who uses the word extreme as a like in that context is just not a thinker. I don't you no. just don't have they're not a thinker. That's not no. a word that matters. And I, but but the other thing that the other thing about this that was interesting was they asked, um, what does she think about the election? And I know why they asked that, because they if if you're in the extreme leftist cult, the echo chamber, if you're getting all of your news from legacy media, if you buy into the false narrative that they're selling you, then you look at someone like me and you know, oh, well, she's a liberal who voted for Trump. And I wonder what she thinks about the election. And uh, because I, and here's what I think is happening there. I think it's because they were so hysterical and angry about Trump winning in 2016, so over the top and spent four years doing everything they could to try and overturn the results of that election, you know, and push this false Russiagate collusion narrative that proved to be false. And, and they spent so much time and effort doing everything they could to delegitimize that election. They couldn't stand it that he was the president. Then they look at people who voted for him and they assume everyone who voted for them for him must be just like them. And the reality is I don't think a lot about the results of the election. I mean, I did in the days surrounding it, but do I believe that Biden legitimately won? No. <laughs> funny to me like do you i just don't it's such a big lie it's what is what hitler called the big lie you know that you've got to tell a lie if you're going to tell a lie to the people it has to be big enough that they believe it it can't be because it has to be so big that they that that normal people look at it and say you couldn't possibly tell a lie that big and and that's what i think it is i think it's the big lie i don't care about running down uh, evidence or trying to challenge it or trying to overthrow it. I'm glad some people do. And some people are still focused on that. I don't care though. I think the election, it's like either way, if Trump won or Biden won, um, we're still fighting the same things and we're still standing for the same things. And it would just be manifesting itself differently under Biden. It's accelerated the social justice stuff. Um, it's accelerated in, in the way that it's being codified into law, but in some ways that might be better because then it's becoming more obvious to normies. And so, you know, I don't really, I, I don't have a, I, I just don't have that desire that they had that anger and that desire that they used to wake up with about Trump, about getting him out of office. And, and I think it's funny that they think we do. Do you know what I mean? Do you, well, do you, because they're very obsessed with politics. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the Ninth Circuit story is exactly why I don't want to be like, that's to me a great example of why I'm not obsessed with politics. Like it, politics doesn't control like if you can't have, you know, if if your entire culture believes in liberty, 
you could have a monarchy <laughs> as long as the king also believes in liberty. Like it doesn't matter. You'd have liberty. Yeah. If the entire culture are a bunch of Marxist authoritarians, doesn't matter what perfect constitution you think you've written down and put on inscribed somewhere. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is the people. It, the, what the people, their their viewpoint, their culture, how they live. That's what matters. What they think is right and wrong matters. That's what needs to be changed. We need to be better as humans, not better. Like we don't need to learn how to write better political documents. We need to learn how to make better people. Yeah, that's what we need to learn how to do. Uh, because people are what screw it up. Yeah, and and you know, one person, one politician. I mean, I, Beverly, all... I did not steal the monarchy thing from you. That came from uh, uh, Moberg. Moberg, what's his name? The God, I always forget his name. Anyway, if someone in chat will say his name. But anyway, I don't. I don't think that one, putting all your faith in in politics, or or especially in one politician, it. I don't. I don't think that that's very wise because it. One person. If 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 Trump had won. And I do believe he won, but you know, if he had, if he, if history had written it down that he won, um, I don't think it would have mattered very much in the long run, like in the very large picture. Would he have staved off some of this incursion from social justice into law? He might have saved, yeah, he he would have staved some of it off, but it still would happen. It's still going to happen. They're still going to try and push this stuff in law. I mean, I saw as a result of, of Biden overturning uh, Trump's executive order about critical race theory, and, you know, then Biden issued his own executive order saying we should, you know, let's definitely right. teach critical race theory. Let's definitely teach discrimination on the basis of race and let's teach yep. racist stereotypes. Let's do that. Right. I saw this morning there are hospitals now openly openly posting about and speaking about how they're going to start um, using racist practices in their treatment. They're going to start discriminating on, uh, 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 by, on the basis of race. And they even say they know it's illegal, but they feel like it's the right thing to do and it's their duty and that it's right. going to be protected because of Biden's executive order. And the illegality yeah. won't matter if you get in front of courts that will refuse to you know, if, if you don't have a prosecutor who will prosecute, if you don't have courts that will uh, convict, it doesn't matter if it's illegal. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, that's why that's why the culture around you matters so much. Right. Um, and we have to change the culture. I mean, that's the maybe I don't know what the I don't know which outcome would have been better. Trump as president for former years or Biden as president. But. I'm choosing to think maybe there are some positives to it being Biden. And I, I don't mean positives in terms of him making the country better. Not at all. I mean, the opposite. He's making the country worse. But I, but I think there might be some positives in speeding up this deterioration that we're in. You know, like those people who believe in collapsing it all faster so we can grow back. Collapsitarians. Yeah. Collapsitarians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Th there were things that I thought were good about tr Trump in his gut response to some of this. Um, but Trump also was not, um, an ideological, uh, heavyweight, let's put no. it. 
Trump was not going to be the guy to carry the torch ideologically and explain to people what really makes America different and successful and what really are the foundations of America and how do we build a future based on those principles moving forward. That was never going to be Trump. Trump was a uh, a populist who was uh, good at tapping into the population's feelings along those lines about what they felt yes. America was <laughs> about. Yes. And like they felt something was wrong. Um, but uh, and he was good at tapping into that, but he wasn't really good at explaining it to them. And he wasn't really good at explaining it to anyone else. And he wasn't really good at painting a vision for this is how, why this is why these principles matter, and this is what we can do with these principles moving forward. But he at least cared about America, and I think a lot of people saw the difference between Trump and others as well. This guy actually cares about America, and everyone else seems to hate it. So, like, even if he fumbles around and doesn't do things right, he cares about America, and that's a step forward. Right. Uh, than these globalists who are kind of just wanting to destroy it and wish we were part of the EU, which, yeah. you know, I, I don't not I'm not sound, you know, I may sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I think most of the Democratic Party wishes we were just part of the EU. They just want to destroy America's sovereignty. They just want to be part of a world government. That's their that's what they want. And, yeah. you know, I don't I don't think a lot of them would say it openly, but I bet I bet they would say it. Um, and, you know, that's that's what the Great Reset contemplates is is basically increased uh we'll say increased unity at a global level like government wise like you know and in fact you saw janet yellen recently i wanted to talk about this a while ago but i never did and i still have the link up for some reason in a browser um janet yellen was proposing so do you know who janet yellen is does everyone know yeah. janet yellen's the treasury secretary and she was the former chairman of the fed i guess they say chair of the fed now because um, chair, chairperson, chair uh, human. She's the, the former. She's the former Ottoman of the Federal Reserve, and now she is uh, the Treasury Secretary. And she was pushing for um, a global minimum corporate tax. Right. This is, and this is the globalist agenda that you see. Right. If you see, if you see someone from the Trump administration, even if they're misdirected. Their, their viewpoint on things is, well, how do we make America better for to attract people here? Like, how do we make America better, right? I mean, his freaking slogan was make America great, right? Again, right? So how do we make it better? Like, oh, oh maybe, we can have, maybe we can have more competitive tax structures or whatever for companies to, to be here. We want people here and we want productivity and, like, we're going to compete against uh, the rest of the world by, you know, again, not a principled guy, but – recognizing that there's some practical things he could do to entice businesses here and whatever. Um, but if you look at how Yellen's looking at this, she's not looking at it that way. She's not thinking, how do we make America better? She's thinking like, how do we stop people from escaping our reach? We want, we want the whole globe. We want control over the whole globe. Yes. And I don't like that people go to Ireland for, cause the, Corporate taxes are cheaper. How do we fix that? Well, instead of competing so that we have lower taxes than Ireland, I guess what we have to do is get a whole bunch of people to sign treaties that will all agree we're gonna we're all gonna we're all gonna have the same high corporate minimum corporate tax, right? 
So there's no place for you to escape. They don't want the the left is, and, and this is the argument against secession that people have made against me, and I think it's a valid argument, uh, which is the left doesn't want you to have your own enclave of freedom. They're not. They don't. They're not satisfied with controlling ninety percent of the world and giving you ten percent in a little island somewhere. That's not good enough. They must yes. have hegemonic control over the yes. entire globe. And when we're on other planets, they'll include the other planets as well. The left is obsessed with controlling everything and everyone. They are the the idea that there's a spot in the world that they don't control is like radioactive to them. Yeah. So that's and that's how they approach it. Whereas if you saw Trump as again as unprincipled as he may have been. I don't think he gave a crap what some other country was going to do with their own. Like, no. oh, oh, America doesn't have control over what Ireland's doing? Eh. Yeah. Uh, we're America. They're Ireland. I don't care. Right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, that's, and that's the danger to people who love liberty and people who love individual rights and people who want to, you know, perhaps secede or perhaps create an enclave where there's freedom. Because <clears throat> – if that happens, we will be attacked. I mean, we will have to defend ourselves at some point because the rest of the world, all these authoritarians hate that. They like, and the reason they hate it is it it's demonstrably way better. Like, you can make principled arguments all day long, and people's eyes glaze over when you talk about individual rights, and the, you know, and that people aren't really good thinkers, and they don't like to have philosophic conversations, and so they're, you know, they get it's it's easy to not. You know, just to convince them, well, no, we need minimum wage for this reason. And these these crazy extremists over here talking about principles are dumb. And, mm. oh, no, no, we have Harvard economists who say blah, blah, blah. Don't, don't, you know, you can ignore them, blah, 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 right? It's easy for them to confuse average people. But when it's actually tried somewhere and it works, you can't dupe people anymore. They just look over the, the wall or the border and they're like, whoa, check it out over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, things are much better. <laughs> I'm moving. Like... That's what happens. I mean, this happens. So you can't on a, let that exist. Yeah, this happens on a small scale. I mean, I mean, a smaller scale, like even communities, in cities, and states. Like this is why there's an influx of people from California to Texas. There's right. such such a huge influx, as we pointed out several times, that it costs. Last I looked, it was five times as much to rent a U-Haul coming from California to Texas as it was to go the other way because they don't have five enough times. people. Five times because they don't have enough people renting U-Hauls and going the other way and taking the U-Hauls back. There's so many people coming here from California. And and why are they coming here? They're looking over the wall. They're looking at Texas. They're saying, wow, that looks much more affordable. I like what they're doing with their taxes. I like it. And I'm going to go there. And then, but then a lot of them, not all of them, because I've talked to several wrong thinkers who are considering moving here. And I thoroughly invite you to come if you're a wrong thinker. But there are a lot of these brainwashed people who are awake enough to know that they need to escape California and are looking over the wall at other states, but then cluelessly, delusionally trying to take their voting habits and their ideology with them and ruin the place they're moving to. <laughs> right. And that's why I think it's, this is where I depart from a lot of, I'll say the objectivist community and a lot of libertarian communities that argue, well, you can't really have borders. You can't stop people from coming in. Like, I, ideally, I kind of agree. Like, 
quote freedom of movement like i kind of agree the the problem is people matter and <laughs> when they come in when the californians move to texas with their california ideology they will destroy texas that's what they will do you can't yeah. like if you care about a protecting a spot and making it a a sanctuary for liberty you need to control who the hell comes to that sanctuary for liberty they have to be on board with the idea that it's a sanctuary for liberty they can't come in and be like yeah 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 i'm a commie but taxes are really <laughs> high in california so i'm just gonna bring my communism over to you is that cool like no that's a virus that's that's a virus you're bringing a virus here yeah yeah, locus text here said locus. I think I've <laughs> locus. I've used the, the I've said locus before. I do think Californians are like they are locus. Yeah, They're they like, go eat and they consume all the resources in one spot and then move on. Yeah. Or uh, in um in South Carolina, we had an invasion of kudzu. For anybody who knows what that plant is, <laughs> like kudzu. I don't know. Kudzu's that it's a kudzu. it, it it, it grows rapidly and it covers it covers other vegetation, covers trees and stuff and kills them off slowly over time by depriving them of sunlight. <laughs> I'm going to look at kudzu now. Oh, it's an invasive species. Look at that. Yes. Oh, we have something similar here. It's not kudzu, but we, it's just like it's like it's almost like a succulent, but it's all over the place. It's just like takes over the ground if you if you let it um does it kill anyway. off does it kill off the uh well yeah because you can't, it doesn't nothing can grow underneath it i mean it's it blocks everything that's oh, like man. the uh oh gosh what's that bird it's not native to america although there's a ton of them here now i think it might be the grackling that is killing off the bluebird because it oh, because it one. it has similar um nests and climates to the bluebird and it's been taking the bluebird's nests Oh, huh. oh, but they're good-looking birds. Look at the, look at the the blue thing on the grackling or grackle. Common grackle. It's not a bad. It's not a bad-looking bird. I actually I prefer somebody, this. Somebody says bird. it's the starling. It's oh, the star starlings are ugly. So never mind. <laughs> I think it's. I think they might be right. Yeah. All right. Well. But we learned about about that in in uh, ornithology. Uh, I did not take ornithology and have, uh, I think that's one of the subjects that I know the least about in anything, I think, is birds. I know they fly mostly. Yeah, it's the uh, starling. They're, and they're, poop on people's cars. They were brought to North America in the 19th century, but they, like bluebirds, they are secondary cavity nesters, meaning they do not excavate their own cavities. Um but yeah, they've been pushing out. They've been pushing. Anyway, Californians are the kudzu and the starlings of people. <laughs> and, uh, and here's the thing. Unfortunately, it's not Californians. It's socialists. That's true. It's um, not Californians. It's true. We just, we've, we moved to California a long time ago and ruined California. We're just, California is just our, our latest field that the locusts have devoured. And we're almost done with the crops here. So we're going to pick up and move on to Texas. Uh <laughs> That's what we do. Um, but don't worry. We do it in a smug, self-righteous way, <laughs> lecturing you the entire time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, need to, you need to do what I think you should do because California listened to me and they're good, doing great. <laughs> right. You need to give me your nest, Bluebird. 
<laughs> go watch. I like I, this is going to sound. <laughs> it's going to sound horrible, but go watch. Uh, go watch the original Parent Trap with Haley Mills. Is that her name? Oh, I've, I love that movie. Yeah, her dad in that movie. He's in the Bay Area. I think it's the Bay Area. It's like either the Bay Area or L.A., but it's like it's what would now be a major city. Like her dad is right outside of a major and he's got horses and like a ranch and like it's it feels much different. There's like a freedom vibe to it. There's kind of a you know, they go they go out hiking and there's kind of like a rugged individualism vibe to the dad's whole lifestyle. And the the contrast that they make in the movie is is between dad and the mom who's in Boston and kind of with her stuffy parents in this stuffy Boston, New England thing. I think it's Boston, whatever. Some New England <laughs> place. It's been a while since I watched yeah. this movie. But uh that contrast, that spirit of California was real. Like California was a little bit rugged individualism kind of make it or break it. Like, you know, you, you had the gold rush, but then you had the Silicon Valley rush where people just come here and, and, you know, try your dream out. And if you fail, you fail. Like it was not a bad place. Yeah. But you, um, you can still find pockets of that too. But that's yeah, why but I, we really, we really ruined that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why that was the movie that made me think of it, but I I watched that movie so many times as a kid. I've got it. Yeah, as a kid, I watched it a lot too. That's why it's like I think about it a lot because it's like, oh, that one. Uh, We're aging ourselves. Yeah, (laughs) I was allowed to watch that. I was I was not allowed to watch a lot of movies, but that was a wholesome enough. I don't know why, because they were divorced, which is like also something that I was shielded from. My parents were very strict, so. But apparently, because they got back together, that was okay. Uh, (laughs) I was allowed to watch. I was allowed to watch it. Did you ever, uh, this is just frivolity question, but did you ever, we, there were certain times when, you know, we, we were sent to bed, you couldn't watch certain movies. And uh, our couch was this old seventies couch with a wooden back that slanted away from the wall. And so you could crawl oh, under yes, there yeah. between the wall and the couch. So yeah, I just, we had just, a couch like that. There's like a little triangle yeah, yeah. in between. Yeah. So I would slide myself into the triangle and watch a lot of, <laughs> Movies I wasn't supposed to sideways through the slats. Oh, you would hide. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. I could not get away with that crap at my house. No. No. Uh, and in my parents' defense, they weren't hypocrites about it. They didn't watch TV at all, really. So oh. uh, there was no, you know, there was nothing. There was nothing to sneak and watch. Um, I remember as a kid, all my other friends would like find their dad's stash of Playboy magazines. And my didn't have my dad didn't have a stash of Playboy. Yeah, mine either. I, I looked everywhere. <laughs> Unless he was a master at hiding stuff, he just didn't, you know, my teenage years, you know, I had to go to my friend's house to raid his dad's stash of dirty magazines. Um, <laughs> it was, ah, oh, the trauma I suffered. Uh, <laughs> someone in chat asked, uh, if I had the power, would I ban welfare? Well, obviously. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, welfare is stealing money from some people and giving it to other. But I just want to be clear. I don't mean, I don't just mean welfare for poor people. I mean all welfare. I mean welfare for oil and executives, <laughs> welfare for Wall Street, welfare for the Defense Department. <laughs> well, like, I would ban 
all welfare. Yes, I would. Uh, and I think a lot of people on the right would hate me just as much as a lot of people on the left. And if you're hated by everyone, maybe you're doing something right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's, to answer your question, I don't know if I would ban all welfare. I no. would have to think more about it because I do, I do generally still believe in having some kind of social safety net. I just think it's abused, it's overused, and you can't and, – and it, it actually is creating incentives for the wrong things. It's not incentivizing having a two-parent household and a stable environment for kids. It's not incentivizing, you know, trying to lift yourself out of poverty. It's not it, – it's incentivizing the wrong things. And so that's what's made me – I've started to rethink it and, and think, well, do you just have to do away with it altogether? How do you have a system – how do you have a social safety net that's government funded through taxpayer dollars that doesn't incentivize the wrong things? I don't know the answer to that yet. I'm still thinking. Yeah. About well, it. I, I incidentally, I think the answer is you don't, uh, which is, <laughs> which is why I wouldn't ban charity. Um, but right. actually, that's not the reason why I, I don't care that it incentivizes the wrong things. I mean, I think that's a valid argument, and I think it's true. Uh, but I don't care. That's not why I would ban welfare. I would ban welfare because the money comes from people who didn't agree to give you the money. Right. It's That's theft. Right. So I don't care. You could go cure cancer with that money. If it's obtained through theft, you can't steal it. Stop stealing my money. Stop stealing other people's money. Stop stealing money. Just because you don't carry the gun into my neighbor's house, but instead you hire an army and an IRS to go legitimize stealing my neighbor's money doesn't make the stealing – you're not more moral – you just think you're more moral because yeah. you're not looking at what you're doing. It's like the people, it's the same kind of people who eat meat. By the way, I eat meat. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a, I love meat. But it's the same kind of people who are like, I eat meat, but I, I only if it's like packaged in cellophane in the grocery store. I'm like, well, like, <laughs> you're not helping animals that way. Like there's no, you just, you just want a level of indirection to make yourself feel better. I, when I decided I, I needed to answer the question morally of whether I felt okay eating meat. I forced myself to go hunting. And I was like, well, if I feel okay killing an animal and eating it, then then I'm morally, it's okay for me to go buy food, like meat in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And, but I'm basically a carnivore, not completely now, but like <laughs> I eat a lot of meat. But I, I guess my point is you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to do what I did. My, my point is you can't close your eyes to like, the chicken comes from somewhere. There was a chicken that was murdered, slaughtered, whatever your word you want to use. There was a cow that was slaughtered to get the meat in the nice little, you know, package with styrofoam and whatever to make it look nice. And if you refuse to, like, you can't, you can't say, well, I'm against that part of it, but I'll take it after it's gotten the cellophane wrapping. And that's how I feel about, like, the welfare stuff. It's like, well... I, I get that you want to help people, but you can't ignore where the help comes from. <laughs> You're like, well, in a magical world with infinite resources and magical fairy dust money going to the government, sure, I'm for welfare. Sure, give everyone money. Why not? But that's not reality. That's it's not theft. where the money yeah. comes from. It doesn't come from I, magical fairy dust. That's actually a very persuasive argument. Um, I don't know. I'm still, th I'm still thinking this one over. I, I don't know if I'll come to a conclusion soon. Right. I'm, I'm not trying to convince you right now. I'm just. Oh, I know. I yeah. can. I have um, to take a quick break, Carter. I'm sorry. How dare you? Can you maintain the show while I'm gone? I don't know. I don't know if I can. 
but I will three do minutes, my best. Three minutes and 26 seconds. Okay. We'll see, everyone. Can I maintain the show while Carrie is gone? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll talk about, uh, there was an article I was going to go through. Actually, the article I was going to go through, which I, I won't because Carrie would probably want to be part of this, but I'll show you it. This awesome article, if you're interested, by uh, Barry Weiss a couple weeks ago, The Miseducation of America's Elites. She talks all about how these uh, elite schools, are their parents are organizing in secret to, uh, because they're worried about this SJW indoctrination happening at these elite schools. Anyway, um, but what I'll talk about without Carrie is the sign behind me right there, right there. Um, that says potential because I thought of this yesterday during book club discussion and uh, I, I don't know. I don't know that it. I don't know that it matters to everyone, but I, I, a lot of people act, they, they talk about whether someone is an optimist or a pessimist and you and I, you, you guys, you guys have heard Carrie and I talk about this on the show before where some, someone, you know, some people are like Carter's a pessimist, Carrie's the optimist. Uh, sometimes Carrie says I'm a realist. Uh, and uh, I think it's I th- I don't think the fundamental question about people's psychology when it comes to like politics and that kind of stuff is is whether they're an optimist or a pessimist. Um, and and this is a weakness of mine, by the way. It's also a strength, I think, but it's it's also a weakness. Uh, th- I think there's a difference between. Um, how people view humans in terms of whether they see potential in humanity and humans or they don't. And that's different from optimism or pessimism. Um, my weakness is that I see a tremendous amount of potential in humans. That's why I do this show. Uh, and it's frustrating because we don't live up to that potential. And sometimes I feel pessimistic about whether we'll ever live up to that potential. Like, so yeah, like sometimes I can be a curmudgeon about it. But the reason that I'm curmudgeon about it is because, precisely because, I view humans as possessing massive amounts of potential. And I look around and I see the wonderful things that humans can do. Uh, art, Jackson Pollock aside, uh, you know, art music, science, just like awesome attack, like cool things that humans could do that have made everyone else's life more tolerable because ultimately nature is kind of harsh and kind of sucks. And if we had to live in nature naked in the middle of the forest, we would be pretty miserable and or dead. So I, I am a worshiper of that human potential. I think the human potential is is something to be admired. And um, and I think that doesn't necessarily make you an optimist, right? You can have days of optimism based on that and you can be pessimistic about it sometimes too because things aren't going, uh, things aren't going in the way that they could or there's all that. I mean, one of the biggest tragedies is to me is like squandered or missed potential. Um, it's, this, it's this idea that like, oh, uh, all the stuff that we've missed out on or squandered or like, you know, when you think about the think about the hundred million deaths that communism was responsible for last century. I think, I don't just think about the tragedy of humans dying. Like, yes, that's sad. I also think about the potential lost, like all that human potential. We don't know what brilliant people were, could have been members of that and brilliant in different ways. Like we could have had, 
yeah, we could have had someone that cured that could have cured cancer that was killed. We could have had a beautiful poet or a singer or an excellent artist or like we could have had so much. So much was lost with those deaths and those deaths were unnecessary. Um, and that's what's frustrating is to watch a species that I believe has immense potential destroy itself, <laughs> turn on each other squander that potential, shackle each other, run by a bunch of control freaks who are pissed off that someone's idea of potential is different than theirs or they want to do something like that. And, you know, and that makes me a realist. I'm not, I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic about our future. I don't know what will happen, but I know what can happen. I know we have potential to do incredible things and build incredible worlds. Um, whether we'll do that or not, I don't know. I want us to, which is why we're here having discussions about letting people live their lives uh, and fulfill their potential. And uh, anyway, that that's the only, that's a nuance that I wanted to make is it, there, there are also, there's a, there's a bunch of, there's a class of people, I'll say class, but there's a group of people who have the opposite view about humanity, who who think humans are inherently a scourge on the earth. They don't have potential. They're kind of all crappy. Yeah. And there are, don't trust me. There's a lot of crappy humans. We, we can all agree on that. But uh, in terms of like their ultimate potential as beings, they kind of suck. And I think those people um, are the problem more than people who see potential in humans and argue about the best way to meet that. I think there's a lot of people who just kind of just, and I think it stems from self-hatred probably, or some sort of, personal psychology where they just don't like themselves um, and they think humans are a problem. And you can see this split even in the environmentalist movement. A lot of environmentalists actually hate humans. They hate, oh, yeah. they don't view humans as having potential. They think humans are a virus on the planet and they hate humans. And if that's what you believe, you literally should just go naked into the woods and die because that's what you can do to contribute to your worldview in a positive yeah. way. You can get rid of the, yeah. the virus. But there are some environmentalist types, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use a guy that I don't think people would think of as an environmentalist, but uh, Elon Musk is like he totally is bought into the, uh, you know, climate change uh, like narrative. Like he doesn't question the climate change narrative. Like he he agrees, but his solution is humans can do something about it. Humans are awesome, and we can do something about it. And like I disagree with. I disagree with him on that kind of stuff, but you can sense the guy's potential or the sense the guy's view of humanity as having potential. We can go to Mars. We can build this. We can build that. We can do this. We can solve these problems. Like he views it as a possible thing that humans can fix. And I think a lot of environmentalists are like, we can't. Humans suck. There needs to be fewer of us. Stop having babies. Stop, you know, stop infecting the world with humans. Uh, and that's the dangerous, I think that, that attitude is, the danger, it's not optimism versus pessimism. It's seeing potential in humans versus seeing humans as uh, some inherently in, like bad thing or some infection on the rest of the globe. You can even see this. I agree, by the way. I do. I, I saw a lot of this messaging when I was in the social justice cult. Um, women in particular are in the social justice cult are discouraged from having kids, um, you're encouraged to look at people who have children as breeders, 
Right. Um, I remember you said they used that word, breeders. And there's a lot of, I remember um, every year around Mother's Day, there would be a lot of uh, sort of anti-Mother's Day sentiment from some of my feminist friends where they would share sort of their being upset about Mother's Day being celebrated. And uh, Wait, why? What's the pro- oh? Because you're not supposed to be a mom. Because some women aren't mothers, Carter. <laughs> yeah, well, it's called Mother's Day. You could have a non-Mother's Day if you want, and, I guess. And because some men, oh wait, is it some, some women are fathers? Is that the- that? Well, some women, yeah. That's well, that's probably part of those posts now. Some women are fathers. Some women aren't mothers, and also they would say it's triggering for for people who had abusive mothers. Well. No, it's, I mean, that's your problem. That's your fault if it's triggering. It wasn't triggering All for me. All social justice is triggering for people who think rationally, but yeah, here we are. It was, you know, I never found mo- people celebrating Mother's Day triggering. I think it's inspiring. I think it's, 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 it's celebrating what motherhood should be. That's what, that's the intention behind it. Anyway, but there, but within the social yeah. justice world, yeah, there's this uh, denigration of, of wanting to have, of, of pursuing, you know, having kids and, there's also you can see it with COVID. Um, this idea that they don't actually care about human lives. I'm starting to believe this because they will say things like, "This was in a recent discussion, some or a disagreement I was having with someone." They'll say things like, well, "Look at the COVID death toll. You must get a forced vaccine. You must wear the mask because if you don't, you don't care about all these people who died." And uh, if you if you point out to them, and rightly so, that there's a, a much greater virus that's been spreading, much 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 worse great much worse virus than COVID, and that virus is fear and manipulation and control of people, and we've oh, been Marxism. you know yeah it's Marxism. We've <laughs> given up. Look at all that we've given up, all of the freedoms that people are willing to give up, and and for what it's. It's it is I, I'll go on the right. It's much worse than the COVID death toll. We have increasing suicide rates among children and teens. That's not because of COVID. That's because of the lockdown, and they don't care. We have increasing depression rates, anxiety rates, suicide rates, domestic abuse. We have families that their family business has been has been destroyed. Countless families whose businesses have been destroyed, who've lost their livelihood, and and. This is not just going to affect this young generation of kids. I mean, look at the psychology. Look at this new world we've ushered in, ushered in where children are afraid now. Children have anxiety. The, the biggest problem isn't even uh, – to me, it's not even the immediate impact. It's Again, it's just the, it's the put on your long-term thinking yes, cap, which I know you've done, Carrie, which is like yeah. we have an entire generation of people who will say yes when you're ordered to push people yes. on boxcars. That's what we've got now. Yes. You've built – You've built your army of zombies. You're, that's what. That's the scary thing. You're building an army of zombies. Yeah. These kids today are growing up thinking masking is normal. And they're growing up being instilled with fear as if their fellow human is someone they should be afraid of and is dangerous. There are kids who have not just increased anxiety, but increased physical ramifications of anxiety because they're so afraid of catching this virus they're so afraid they don't want to take the mask off they don't want to go to school they don't want to leave. that's dangerous and i'm tired of people saying that kids are resilient i'm tired of you know what kids it's funny that they try and say kids are resilient because guess what they are resilient to covid 
They're extremely resilient to COVID. Mm-hmm. But you know what they're not as resilient to? The psychological warfare we're doing on them, where we're telling them that the world is a, a, that their fellow man is dangerous. The world's a dangerous place. They need to wear a mask. They can't go to school. They can't interact with other kids. We're damaging these kids. And, and, and it's, and like you said, it's not just that generation, it's going to be future generations. So the, the, the COVID death toll is terrible, but you know, what's worse, the lockdown, the lockdown toll, the lockdown toll, the psychological impact of what we've done, of what we've allowed, the freedoms we've given up. They are now the precedents in, we have set the precedents we've set way more deadly. It's insane. Yeah. There are people, scientists, uh, lawyers, Government officials who are now pushing this idea of a vaccine passport, that's absurd. This is a, a virus with over 90% survival rate. And they're they're pushing it as normal, normal, that you should have a social credit score, basically, where you have to get a vaccine, an experimental vaccine. This vaccine hasn't even had a year's worth of trials. And they're trying to say it should be mandatory and simultaneously saying, hey, it won't stop you from actually getting the virus. And also it won't stop you from spreading it. I just saw that article today. It won't stop you from spreading it. It won't stop you from getting it. But, you know, you should get it anyway. But you're still going to have to socially distance and mask. But you should get the vaccine, even though it hasn't had more than a year of trials. You should be forced to get this to interact in society. And they're saying this is a good thing. You guys, we've created an episode of Black Mirror. We're living in an episode of Black Mirror. And they're telling us this is normal. This is going to forever change things and what we're willing. And I see people just rolling over, willing to, yes. Take away our freedoms. Take them away. We don't want to be able to travel without the mark, you know, without the vaccine. We don't want to be able to participate and and go to work and, you know, take away our freedom. Here, have it. Have it. That's sick. What we're doing is sick. It's it's not normal. It's a sickness. And, well, and, that, and so I'm getting a little off tangent, but I see it with the COVID stuff because they want to claim they care about people that they care about the COVID death toll, but they don't demonstrate that they care about people at all. They don't care at all about the child suicide rates. People who care about people don't push Marxism. Yes. People who care about people don't push authoritarianism and tyranny. They're deceitful. They're deceitful. Of course. They, of they, I think deep down, I think deep down, they, like you said, it, it, they have a deep hatred for humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they use the death toll. Why? Because they know we do care about people. (laughs) Like you said, they they use arguments that don't really mean anything to them. And that's why their arguments contradict one another. And they'll be they'll be saying a private business can do what it wants when it comes to censorship. And then they'll say a private business is can't decide not to bake a cake for a gay wedding. They must bake the cake. They'll contradict themselves completely. And it doesn't matter to them because they're only using the argument because they think it will work on you because you do care about that because you are internally principled because you do care about death and the the death COVID death toll. They'll use that on you, but they don't care. (laughs) They do not. (laughs) And you know, the vaccine that we missed out on that we needed was uh, the vaccine against collectivism. Yes, uh, and the the reason that we're in the situation we're in. I mean, I, try doing this in eighteen hundred, and see how well that goes. Right. right. See how well the founding generations respond to government edicts to shut down your business and to inject your. Try that, right? 
it wouldn't have worked. Wouldn't have worked. But you know they uh, they pushed it much more. They're doing the same virulent thing poison. They're doing the same <laughs> thing with guns. Ideology, you know. I mean, they're doing the yeah, same thing with guns. They're they're getting all these people to say, "Here, take away our freedoms, take away our right to bear arms," and and they're not. This is the other thing. Somebody was saying to me, "Is." It's so weird that they um, that they're pushing these things because they're they're anti-cop and they're anti-gun. And I was like, no, no, they're not anti-cop. They're not anti-gun. They just want to control the cops. They want to control the guns. They want to disarm the population. They want to disarm the population and have the only the control of the only gun left in the room. They want control of the guns. They're authoritarians. They don't dislike guns. <laughs> Well, they don't care I mean, about you people. You're not. No statist is is against guns, no matter how no. much they slap their lips, because without guns, the state doesn't exist. We don't listen to you. You don't pay. Look, no one here would pay their taxes if it if men with guns didn't have a right to come to your house and do something to you. If you don't, like you just you wouldn't pay them. If there was no, like, why would you pay? Why would you pay your taxes? You wouldn't pay taxes. If all they could do is send you harshly worded letters and like they, could, they couldn't do anything but scold you. Shame, shame, shame. All right. Shame me all you want. I'm keeping my money. <laughs> like you, you wouldn't pay your taxes. You pay your taxes because eventually someone will arrest you. Right. If you, right. Like that's why you pay your taxes. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that person has a gun. And if they didn't, it would be very difficult to arrest you if you had firearms that they didn't like that's how this works the government is it's just like the feminists say that we don't need men and then they they literally rely on an army of men to implement all of their legislative like goodies that they want we don't need we don't need no stinking men at all except for the entire army and police force please to implement all the legislation that we've just asked for could you force people to do that but other than that we're independent we don't need men all right, right. lady it's like in canada there's i mean they're all of these laws are are enforced at the end of a gun. The father that they've now jailed for referring to his daughter as she. Right. That father is in jail. Why? They push their ideology at the end of a gun. That's why they want to codify this stuff into law so they can have a guy with a gun take you to jail, you know, Lisa, who's the woman we interviewed in uh, Minnesota? Who? Yeah, Lisa. Yeah, they put a, what's her last name? Um, Har- I'm blanking. Uh, Har- I want to say Harmon, but I'm not Harman. sure if that's right. Yeah. I don't remember. Okay. Why? Why did they arrest her? Why did they put out the arrest warrant? Because she dared to operate her small business, right. <laughs> which is constitutionally protected in the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. But they don't care about the Constitution, as you said. They don't care. Hanson. Lisa Hanson. Was close. If you guys haven't seen that interview, look that up. This is a really brave mother, grandmother, uh, who's now an enemy of the state because at some point she and her husband had to decide, do we continue to follow this governor's edict, this unconstitutional executive order, or do we say we're going to either lose our business if we continue to do that or we're going to have to open up? And they opened up. And now she's being persecuted for trying Mm -hmm. to earn a living with a a business that you can voluntarily choose to come to or not. 
if you believed right. in personal responsibility. There's no There's one guns, with a the gun. There's no one with a gun forcing you. If you think going to a restaurant that's open during COVID, if you think going to a cafe is dangerous for your health, there's nobody with a gun forcing you to do it. Yet you want people with guns to make sure that nobody else can make the choice whether whether they get to go to a restaurant or not. You want people with guns to take people like Lisa Harmon to jail. Yet that's an authoritarian. You're an authoritarian. There's a lot of you who think that you're liberals and you're not. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. A little bit of a tangent, but. No, no. I mean, all good stuff. Uh, I don't know. I guess there's a couple other things we could talk about, Carrie, but um, I'm kind of feeling like it's been a pretty long show. If there's anything else in chat that chatters want us to talk about, we should do that um, and call can it a day. Sorry we can't do super chats. It's because we're on this other channel. Um, and they have – so by the way, one of the ways that YouTube – just just a little behind-the-scenes stuff. One of the things that uh, – <laughs> I, I see you, Pirate Tomsky. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that um, – YouTube does is they don't have to have reasons for things if they pretend that there's a process, but the process is arbitrarily and infinitely slow. So for example, this channel has met all the monetization requirements, but we're in review. We've been in review for months on this oh, is I'm on the clips channel. We're just sitting uh, in review because well. they're reviewing, right? Um, and the, our main channel, we shouldn't actually be in jail, even if you accept this latest violation, which obviously we disagree with, but we shouldn't actually be in suspension because it shouldn't be a strike because we shouldn't have a warning. Our warning is probably six or eight months old at this point. It's Oh, they still in haven't review. resolved that? It's in wow. review. It's been in review. They've never communicated to us. So what they do is they say, well, if we make a mistake, there's a review process and we can remove the thing. Yeah, there is, but it's an infinite review process. So the warning that shouldn't be there is stacked for eternity, i.e. it's a warning that will never go it away. There is like no review our, process. Uh, it sounds like the review process at Twitter because we've been banned from Twitter since January right. 11th and we've appealed. And what's happening with that? Actually, I don't know. I haven't seen them. I don't. I they. You I don't think, think they've talked to me later <laughs> lately. Let me look. I'm they, searching my email. No, they just they haven't responded. Me. You just stay in review. Yeah, there's just no. If I go to our Twitter, it still says, "Hey, you're banned. Your your account's suspended." But they don't. No reason. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We're reviewing. Don't worry. We'll review. Uh, we'll get around to it. Hey, after we've won the culture war, we'll get around to it. We'll get around to it. When it's oh, over. By the way, speaking of Twitter and the way they arbitrarily enforce their TOS and they use uh -huh. it selectively to ban, to ban and censor certain people. Um, you know, our friend Cameron Pasha was banned from Twitter and they said that they, when they finally gave him an answer, they said it was for uh, spam. And, uh, I forget, <laughs> right. you know, I forget what the other thing was, spam and bot stuff or whatever, which I think, you know, he's appealed and is probably also in limbo, never to hear. Sure. Um, They're reviewing, but, Gary. But as I was reading that, that, that music video that we looked at at the top, as I was reading about Lil Nas X and trying to get the history on where he came from and stuff, uh, he used to operate before he had his, his song, that his first hit song, 
he was a fan of Nicki Minaj and he operated several Nicki Minaj Twitter accounts, fan accounts. And he also used these accounts and engaged in spamming and having multiple accounts to boost his own content. And they banned, they ended up banning some of his spam accounts back before he quote became somebody. And now that he is somebody, his profile is allowed to stay up on Twitter. He's doing the things that we've all been accused of. He actually has created multiple accounts <laughs> to evade a banning. He actually has engaged in spamming, which they admit openly spamming and and manipulation to push up posts. And he's on Twitter. Well, maybe, Carrie, if you went and gave the devil a lap dance, we would get our <laughs> We could get our channel back? Is that the price <laughs> yeah. we have to pay? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but it's going to have to be you. And... Uh... <laughs> I'm fine without the channel. (laughs) 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 I'll sell blood shoes. You do the devil lap dance. Yeah. (laughs) It's literally, I mean, that's figuratively also what he's doing. Lap dancing the devil. Anyway. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I don't think there's anything else uh, super exciting we have to cover in chat. um, But, I, this has been a fun show. Yeah, um, we hopefully should call, we'll be back on Friday on our real channel. We should call what? Channel. We should have some, we have some good interviews coming out soon too. Um, we should call this episode "Lap Dancing the Devil," <laughs> or put put your blank in my blank. <laughs> put your blank in my blank. <laughs> Either one of those, I'm down with. So, uh, <laughs> I like fun. I actually like fun titles. Carrie's usually smarter about SEO on titles. And I'm like, can we just call it bleh, like some stupid thing? And she's like, no, no one will know what the hell that means. <laughs> but now <laughs> she's, she's got a good idea for I, you, you're You're down with the blank. Put your blank in my blank or whatever. Put your blank I'm, I'm in my blank and I'll do my blank and you do blank. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, on that note, Carrie um, and everyone. Join us again. We will be back. I think we'll be back on our man channel on Friday. Although, you know, it's YouTube. So who the hell knows? But I think on Friday we'll be back on our main channel. If not, we will be, uh, we'll be here. And, uh, like I said, stuff will be on library. If you're interested in the retreat, go to unsafespace.com. Not much left there, but, uh, yeah, let us know. And I think that's all. Am I forgetting anything? No, I'm very excited about the retreat, guys. August. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, it should be good. There'll be no no lap dancing the devil at the retreat. (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. 
dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. For your own safety, and to avoid further spread of contagion, if you have been in recent contact with any of these individuals, please report to your nearest Good Citizen Treatment Center immediately. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Remember, your uninformed opinion matters. We couldn't destroy everything and rebuild Utopia without it. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.